0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the STD podcast. This week we have the man, the myth, the legend, Steve Hall. Uh, One of the man. I mean, I I don't know. You're not the biggest like evidence based podcast, but I would just say as far as like quality and quality of guests, you're definitely up there for sure. I mean, like I'm I'm the one who's like I'm, I'm one of the podcasts that I actually watch like all of the episodes of. Whereas other ones I'm kind of like eh, this guest I can skip. It. But anyway, so um. Steve, how are you doing?
1: I was going to say, Steve Hall, as always, right here. And I realized oh, now that <laughs> I pre-record an intro to the podcast to kind of explain the guest or not explain, kind of introduce it. I do it twice and I'm like, man, that must sound really weird to a listener. So I was like, <laughs> I need to stop
0: introducing myself the same way both times because you just no, dude, doing like, it twice. <laughs> it's like an accolade of your <laughs> podcast now, though, right? That's, that's the Revive Stronger podcast. We're all familiar with it but maybe one like is enough i don't know <laughs> well it's like your it's like your you know your favorite show i guess they have an intro or outro but like you have the theme song right so that's yeah. your that's your theme to be fair it,
1: it does i don't know what it is i don't know if you have the same thing Dylan. i've actually noticed but like it helps me get into the flow of like the thing i'm doing i do it with client check-ins all the time like the exact same intro like i don't even know what it is off the top of my head but when i yeah. start a client check-in i say the same intro exactly every single time but yeah, yeah i appreciate the props and i'm i'm so glad that like you listen to the episodes and like people still find value in it because yeah there was a I sometimes go through patches of like oh I've covered everything but then there's even new guys getting into the field like you've got your Milo Wolfs you've got your your Zach the data-driven strength guys and it's so cool to just be able to be there and you're kind of talking off air about how kind of I seem to absorb information and like put it into my own practice as like you can even see that through kind of social media and like that's why I started the podcast like in a in a selfish sense but also to like share that value with the wider world so yeah I'm glad I can still do it and run it and that yeah hopefully it's to a decent standard and I'm not too terrible
0: of a host (laughs) at the moment not at all man not at all um so actually I wanted to talk a little bit about your um kind of bodybuilding progress currently uh first and foremost the tattoos I think you've mentioned this before but like what I don't know. I just didn't think like Steve was like a, the guy to get tatted, like, and not like tatted, like multiple tattoos on your forearms. What, uh, I, I I've heard you mention it before, but could you say it here? Like, what, what kind of brought you to get your, your forearms tattooed? They're awesome tattoos, by the way.
1: Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. I, d- you're not the only person that said that to me. I think most people that, think about me getting a tattoo they like that you're the last person i would have thought you who would go and get one and that's that's almost why i wanted one in a sense like it's yeah, just yeah. like just something to be uh, like i don't always like just being like that middle ground individual whatever so it's quite nice to just have like an obvious quirk out there to the world but it was like dragon ball for me like the first one was marge and vegeta but dragon ball and dragon ball z like through my childhood that's how like i made friends with my best friend at the moment and then just like it's what I listen to during like training sessions and like I'll still watch episodes of it and it just brings back so many like good memories and throughout yeah. like actual COVID I was actually kind of going through my old Instagram videos and I was listening to like watching myself train and listening to the music and I was like it was all Dragon Ball like music and like remixes and I was like it, it got me through some really tough times and so I just love having the reminder there and uh, I think Pascal, obviously, and uh, Jackson Pios as well, someone who, like, they're quite heavily tatted, both of them, and I just think, I just love the look of them, and I was like, man, I, I need to just go down this route, try it, and I didn't think I'd, I wasn't sure if I'd get more than one, but it is true what they say, once you start, it's very hard to stop, because there's something addictive about it. Uh, I've, I've got one booked in, in like, three weeks' time, so... <laughs> oh, really? <You're laughs> there's more. doing
2: I've another one?
1: More. Oh, my God. I've got a gap here, so this gap needs to be filled... On the other it's forearms i I'm back here. This oh, one. that's still, that's part of the. Oh, yeah, okay. That's part of the last one. That one's gone Naruto, and then ugh, I can't even get the itachi on that side. That's so... so That one's. And that's where I watched uh Naruto, um like just the year after my last prep, and I was just watching it. Jackson Pios again recommended it. It was like, if you love Dragon Ball, you love Naruto. And I hadn't watched it as a child, and I was like, this is just. I don't know, the emotions I feel through anime is just something else. Like, I will cry at scenes, my hair will just, like, stand on end. I just get so involved, and I love the the artwork. So, yeah, it's just kind of becoming a bit of an extension of myself. I have unapologetically ugly cried multiple times in Naruto. <laughs> and the Bruce Lee, like, Bruce Lee, um, the the scene where he drops the weights, like yeah, Rock Lee, well, when he, he does he that. Weight, like, oh, my God, yes just so, some of these scenes are just you can watch it it's like as good as watching ronnie Coleman lift some weights i'll like i'll my myself out up. of this
2: conversation trevor <laughs> i will uh i'll be quiet in the background <laughs> but
0: uh quiet, yeah Jimmy, it's... you don't like uh a...
2: there's own... like all i only like dragon ball z i don't like anything else i'm right. very very clued in to dragon ball z but any other one attack on titan um any of the other ones, they're for the birds. Just watch them; they're so hot. I watched Attack on Titan. It was very hard for me to watch because I was very bored. Did you watch like two episodes? No, I watched the first season. You got
3: you got to watch past the first season. Holy crap, that's when it gets good. Oh, oh my god, I can't. I'm not committing. No making I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Watch Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm not
2: going to be doing that. Only... What I did I'll tell you what I did just watch. I did just watch FUBAR, and that was hilarious and I recommend it that's uh, the that's the new Arnold show on Netflix. all of you must watch it. it's hilarious
1: yeah yeah I'll take it out Has you got a documentary as well
2: let's yeah I I watched that yesterday also. I don't know what I'm doing with my life oh. <laughs> how
0: how how was the documentary
2: So it's split up into three parts athlete, actor, and then something else. I only watched the athlete one. <laughs> um, and honestly, it was nothing that I didn't already know. But yeah. I'm an Arnold super fan. I don't know if you guys are. So like this was stuff I always Yeah.
3: Can be, how can
2: you not yeah.
3: bodybuilding and not be a fan?
0: I think I would watch well, the other parts too. Just because I think it's just insane how this one person did all these things in one lifetime.
2: Anyway, back dude, to his the bi- his biceps are still sick. His arms are still sick, even in 2023. Yeah. Like they I have some footage of him posing, and I was like, "Fuck,
0: it's still yeah. awesome." He literally, I, I, because I remember seeing him at Gold's Venice when I was out there, and he, he literally just does like pump work. He also got shorter for sure. <laughs> of course, he does happens. pump work.
1: What? Yeah, of course he does pump work. Does pump, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> That's his thing right coming yeah just literally we'll just go from machine machine and just do circuits i mean you know he's older and probably just starting to stay in shape so but anyway back to steve uh we were talking about your tattoos but more importantly um i wanted to ask you about your um kind of your where you're at with bodybuilding currently so like i know you had done that that long season uh what were some reflections of that season and then what led the, how did that lead to your decision making process to where you're at now and then and if you can talk about shows, you have picked out stuff, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it
1: <clears throat> it hasn't changed. The funny thing is, every time I've competed, I'm still confronted with the same issues. It's just they become less ish of an issue as I go along. Um, and it will make sense. Uh, I just remember the the first time I competed, or it was actually the second, but my mum was at this show. And this is where I'm coming from. She said, you you just don't look like the other guys. Like you You just don't have the shape that they have. Uh, And I don't know if she knew she crushed like my dreams and hopes in one comment, but she was just like, I don't know if this is for you. And I mean, she's right, because you look at my first like season where I'm competing, like I have muscle, I'm like lean, not a lot of it, but like I do not have shape. And every season that has improved because I've grown muscles bigger and uh, I probably pose better, but I still do not have the shape. And I think it's just become more and more obvious as I've competed, had clients go to compete, um, now judge shows, how important, like, I, I almost made a Facebook kind of post being like, you can, essentially your kind of clavicle to waste ratio, if I could see those before I was judging, they'd be almost as informative as like a fat-free mass index and a body fat percentage, because they are just as important for winning shows and i think a lot of natties, like get called out as being like um like un- unnatural but it's just based off the fact they look incredible like when then you find out their kind of height and weight and stuff it's like they're just put together beautifully and i'm not that's just matter of fact i'm not put together beautifully and so that again it's the first thing you come out with the front relaxed the symmetry shot have you on x frame that's something that i do not have just that like some people their first season, they already have it because they just have a tiny waist, wide shoulders, cat delts, sweeping quads, wide lats, and they kind of come down real low. But uh, I don't have any of that. So I've just been plowing away at quads, delts, and lats, basically, uh, yeah. just to try and, again, bring that illusion that is bodybuilding uh, to life. And I also have some thoughts on how I'm going to pose differently this time around. Um, I had, like, very good help in terms of posing. You know, I did some with Andrew Chappelle but I'm built very differently to him in terms of like for that front relax shot. I can't hit it like him. I can't get away with it like that. And it depends who I'm against, of course, but if I'm against anyone with like a reasonably small waist, I can't get away with it. So I have
0: to really work on that shot too. And I already have some thoughts of how I would do that. What are some of the modifications? Like I know some people will push their, like uh, Jared had told me, like push your hips back and like kind of that will create the the illusion that your upper body is just like bigger and your waist is smaller. Like what? you could just jeff. name a few that might be cues that you use yeah for sure so
1: yeah back in 2017 i actually did some online posing with uh, jeff alberts and god bless the man like he took like hours with me to do this and i had terrible internet connection as well so he could probably barely see me uh, but he was getting he was like steve you gotta force your hips back like i remember doing it with him i was like this seems unreasonable how far you're trying to get my hips it's to come tough, back dude it's tough absolutely but it made complete sense like now in hindsight i didn't really see it at the time but then when i posed with andrew i kind of hit it like that with my hips back and um, he was like no i think you can just stand tall but obviously when things are further away they look smaller so it, it kind of just made my waist look a bit blockier so now i'm going back to the, the hips really far back but also not just chest up but chest forward like almost like leaning forward so that my yeah, yeah. Like upper body and torso just looks more impressive uh so i just have to be careful I think it's why I had to really build and focus on quads is that like sometimes your kind of legs get dragged back a bit like that. And so they can end up looking a bit slender. But yeah, that's most of it. You
0: got it. Hips back. Uh, yeah. It's a, do you find it hard? I find it really hard, especially in the back shots to do that. Like to, I don't know if you do the same in the back shots, but like uh, hitting your glutes and your hams and then you transition into like, then you hit your, your like bust back double. I always lose my glutes and hams when I, or when I do that, because it's just so hard to hit everything at once with your hips back it's it's a lot of people struggle with that, but I've never struggled with that Oh, really. Uh, don't know
1: why that's always been super easy that's for me but that's good. that's like the hardest shot for me to do. keeping my quads contracted has always been the hardest thing like that's very hard them... especially when you push the hips back, like my rec fam just goes out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. and then if they're not contracted, you look like you just got like normal like legs <laughs> like anyone else. <laughs> if they're not if you don't contract them, you can't see any of the detail. So yeah, yeah it's well frustrating.
2: Steve, how heavy were you on stage?
1: If you don't mind me asking. This last one. Uh, it's a bit of a tricky subject, you know, stage weight. I don't like talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be funny. Wait, <laughs> I was like, you're Is like the
3: can, I can I ask? <laughs> <laughs> Wait
2: a second, there's something I
3: don't know.
1: <laughs> so, last season I was between 170 and 175 pounds.
2: Do you have on a weight stage. cap? Is that
1: a thing? Uh... For WMBF Worlds, they have categories, so they'd have a weight cap, which I think... I don't actually know what it is. I think it's like 176 or 177 for like middle weights, But it might even change depending on the numbers they've got and like where people land, then they could try and split it evenly. I'm not sure if they do that or not. But most uh, competitions were height now. They've moved to height classes.
2: So it's not like you have any issues with putting on more muscle at this point for your next show. You're
0: not constricted by a right by a week, yep.
1: no. and i feel like i probably had you could, a lot of competitors probably say this uh like a couple of pounds that i could strip off to just bring that little bit more condition it's like almost there's almost always something more to come And it's like you're infinite. like you're just Marvin. Yeah,
0: yeah true <laughs> uh no it's funny because i actually just had my first season not to make this about myself but i was i was like i i did my first show and i was like sweet i got a month for the next one like be more than enough time to get like shredded i was at like pushing a you know one one to 1.2 percent rate of loss and still i was like yeah probably like I was talking with jared after he's like yeah you probably had another month i'm like my god like it's so crazy i mean and obviously i don't i haven't competed a whole lot so i just didn't know but it's just like you think that you're there and then you're like nope, there's another you know x amount of body fat you can drop another five pounds ten pounds it's insane so yeah
1: at least The issue sometimes can be is some people lose sight of like what bodybuilding is so that it's not just a lean competition Uh, like it isn't just about condition you you also need the like fullness and muscularity there so some people drive themselves and i've done that where i just sent like i i don't have enough muscle where i can just like sacrifice it to get shredded like i need to balance that where i'm like is it worth just consistently getting smaller everywhere to get these extra lines I, I come in normally
0: one of the most if not the most conditioned anyway so it's like yeah yeah so do you, is that like something do you like I know in like uh enhanced bodybuilding like they're just like looking at your glutes and hamstrings like do you feel like that's the same thing in, in natural bodybuilding so I spoke about this with Mike recently and I was kind of I was I don't know I was hoping
1: it would was going to be similar and he was thinking similarly to me but it doesn't seem to be it used to be that way for natural bodybuilding where it was like a condition contest. I think it was like yeah. people weren't coming on coming in with shredded glutes very often. So like if you had them, you were winning. Whereas now novice competitors can bring shredded glutes. And I think they kind of got over it. And the judges have moved more towards
0: like symmetry and shape, especially in the last few years. Right, right. I mean, obviously with still conditioning in mind, right? It's not like you're yeah. going to show up fat, but with like good symmetry that you're like, you know, like, yeah, you got it. Yeah, But sometimes I'm surprised
1: by like, I don't know, I almost feel like there's a level of, I think, um uh, Alberto Nunez talks about it, just a level of professionalism to come to stage with a certain level of condition. Yeah, And I have a bias towards condition because it's something that I'm good at and like I don't find getting, well, it's it's tough, but it's like it's not the hardest thing for me. And I'm like, if someone just, if they don't have any sort of striations going on, they're kind of wobbly glutes, like not even just like lean glutes, they're like wobbly like man i i don't even as a judge like i don't want to really judge that person but you have to and sometimes they have really good symmetry and then you're like fuck but like yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't really want to give them uh i feel like bodybuilding
0: like leanness is what differentiates it from right. just your average guy i think and uh, like you said professionalism i think is really big i think it's like who worked the hardest for this show you know what i mean like you actually put in the effort to make sure that you showed up to this show and you took it seriously, I guess. It's like, that's how I view it. It's like, you know, like, did you, did you actually take the show seriously? How's your presentation? How is, you know, how lean are you? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like some of those things do to me. I'm like, that's, that shows someone who took this process seriously. And I think if you were judging the show, I would imagine like, hey, they took this particular show that I'm judging seriously. I, I guess I'm not a judge. so.
1: And I think this is where, this is a reflection on my last season, where, uh, and I still have it, where I get caught up in the outcome and the placings. And it, I, if I focus on that, I just end up getting like down on myself because I know I leave like almost no stone unturned. Like I know, I man,
2: I'm, how I'm could be... you not? How could you? You're, you're so obsessed with it on a minute to minute. How could you not be obsessed with the outcome? Like I think that's so crazy. Be like oh, just believe in the process. Like yeah, that's nice to say, but like how could you not want to win? Or like get caught up that you didn't win, you're you're so invested physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Of course, you want to win. Yeah, you're validated, Steve. You're validated.
1: That's what I'm saying.
0: (laughs) I imagine it would drive you like it might might be difficult if that was like the main focus, though. You know what I mean? Like because if Steve's like I didn't do as well, but then it's like, but yeah, there's other things that like made huge improvements from the last season. Like again, knowing that you put everything into it um regardless of the outcome is also something to be said like hey i gave every, this show everything i had so the outcome is like like but i i hear what you're saying to me too is like yeah it's, it's obviously just also like you know you you want to you want to do well you want to win especially after putting all that effort so into it You didn't go through that help
1: for the hell of it you know?
0: yeah exactly exactly
1: this is where me and Pascal spoke about it recently it was like if this next season if i've made like significant improvements where i'm just like man like i blew last season out of the water and i still don't really like really challenge those top spots because it's just i'm getting beaten by people that have things that i'm never gonna have in terms of that's that symmetry that's where it's like is it worth it <laughs> investing everything no, especially like you can do not. what shimmy did and get really lean and like have a great photo shoot i don't know if you how far away from stage condition you were but you're pretty close but you can get there and it not be as terrible as like yeah, paying for like all that. the shows and the tan and you like—it's—it's it's a lot less aggressive That's horrible too, you know. Yeah, Steve, so, that was a great—that
2: was a great Improvement Season episode. I watched that. Um, the one you're referencing was great. Everybody, check out the Improvement Season podcast on on Revive Stronger. It's—it's it's really great. If you're into like trace recent the weed stuff. Uh, it's not the most recent one. It's from a few weeks ago, but um, okay. it's great, Steve. It's great. I watch, I watch. Those every week. Yeah, I watch, listen to those every week. Um, if I was to project my views onto you which I'm about to, (laughs) I don't think it's worth it at your stage of the game. (laughs) But but you and I have also talked about this off this podcast. Like, I understand that you need to do the deed because you coach competitors, right? And, like, no competitor wants to be coached by someone who's not competing or, like, didn't win a lot. Um, I've talked about this with Mike. He didn't agree with me. Um, And he raised valid points. But I think in your stage, like, I feel like you've done – all you can do and you know your genetics are only going to take you so far and it's like you know are you going to win a show i i don't know but if you lose it's not because you didn't do anything right it's because of your genetics and it's like at this point in time like you've competed several times um i don't know to keep competing at least for your brand i don't think
0: matters so it'll only just be for you my I push back into as like I think my, my pushback to that is I think Steve's also still making like improvements from what I see. Like I see some of your more recent stuff and I'm like, holy shit. Like, you know, I think that
3: Shimmy's point about, uh, so I, I agree with Shimmy that, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, uh, Steve with, you know, where you started, where you are now, but competing can be great marketing. Yeah. And early on, I think it can be really useful to build your brand, but At a point, I don't know that competing builds your brand anymore outside of just getting pretty lean, you know, where you can do photo shoots and stuff like that. So I think that there's kind of like, you know, this balancing act where like early on, I probably, it is good for your brand to compete, to get more exposure and you get people in the door. But at a point, is it
1: improving
3: your brand anymore or does the putting everything in it actually hurt?
1: Yeah, I have only my personal experience with this. Obviously, I competed in 2021. I did pretty well. Got to Worlds, came second in amateurs. Uh, So it's like, it's not bad. It's like pretty damn good. And I thought, I thought, therefore, 2022, like talking about whether or not it like positively improves business. I thought that would be like a, a busy season for me as like a coach, coaching competitors to stage. Wasn't any more busy than any other year. This year is busier than last year. Like, by twofold. And it... I, I, I don't know why. It doesn't... It, clearly, I think, at least to me, it isn't what... Like, it is no longer... I, I don't do... I never did it for business, but now it wouldn't... It can't be part of the equation. Oh, it's helping business. Because if anything, like you said, it could harm it. Because I'm less yeah. functional. <laughs> John, John Meadows talks about that a lot.
3: Why this year is so much busier? Because you don't have... you. Oh,
2: no. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. and
1: focus <laughs> to got into business. I think we caught <laughs> the second half of that. Ay, ay, ay. Hold on. We've got you now. I think I, I know what you were saying, though. Um, Possibly. I don't... It's weird. I don't know if, uh, Dylan, you can speak to this, or even, like, Shimmy, when you were obviously just recently dieting, but I like to think... I don't know if that's just my ego and my arrogance of, like thinking that it doesn't take away. Like I'm I'm sure it absolutely must have to because I think I look back at like how many steps I was doing, wearing a weighted vest, eating barely any food, posing like multiple times a day. It's like that's got to have taken so much away from what I could put into the business. But I didn't feel at the time like it did. But I, I think it must have in some sense. You know what you can do, Steve, to look at it? Take a look at
2: some of the posts that you did when you were off season in the way that you write and the way that you speak. Versus when you're in season, are you making more jokes? Are you making more thoughtful analogies? Do you have just a little bit more oomph versus when you're um in the thick of the diet? Are you a little bit more cyborg? Is it more just like matter of fact content? And not to say that anything is bad, but that that's I think a tell as well where you could see it. You know, like are you more energetic? Because you seem to be pretty solid. Like you post every day, rain, sleep or shine.
0: You don't you don't no, we, like we, we did a- take hiatuses. We did a podcast when you were pretty close, like a couple weeks or something, and I was like, I couldn't tell if you were a couple weeks out or not. Like you were, you're oh. coherent, like you know, very there. So I don't think that, like, on, on a maybe, maybe not in at least an in interaction that you were like, you know, this sucks and like can't, yeah. you know, can't move and whatever. But um, I think that also, you know, you could just look at analytics. I guess I, I'm very much so like what what did my client load look like then? But then you just it's really hard to say because then it's like what was going on with like this and like. You know, when do you normally have your busy season? And like, it's so hard to say, like, because I know people who definitely say that when they compete as a result, they get a large influx of people. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I think that like for me, um, I got more of an influx and it was more so because I just don't step on stage a whole lot. So it was like, oh, like this guy actually like does bodybuilding basically, you know, so not just not to see just this big. Right. So I think that definitely helped. But, you know, time will tell, I guess, in my case.
2: Steve, can you Um, notice that some of your content does better when you're leaner versus when you're not? And like when you're showing your body a lot versus not, or it's all the same?
1: I would say definitely like, I don't know, it's literally the better the shot looks. Like if I think it's a good shot, they will do better generally. And leaner ones for sure do better, Um, which is hard. Like, I don't train with anyone, and, like, I don't have anyone that can, like, take... I don't pay someone to, can, like, take photos of me, so, like, I just never really get that sort of content, especially in, like, off-season, so...
2: Tripod? You don't bring a tripod?
1: Yeah, it's just it's never... I don't know, it's not the same as having someone who can, like, do it, and...
0: You can, I don't know, yeah, I'm bad at see using my tripod. Yeah, yeah. I find that difficult, too, so... Yeah.
1: yeah. I was uh, gonna I mean, just was say saying, one... Yeah. Sorry. I was just gonna say one thing on the competing thing. I wonder if... if And this could be a a positive or negative, but because I'm not super competitive, like I'm not someone who's like pro and like top of like in the natural bodybuilding scene, that competing doesn't really do much to the business. So like if I do poorly, I don't think it'll change anything. If I do well, I don't think it'll really change anything. But if you're really like very competitive, top of the game, I imagine competing does quite a lot for you, but equally then that puts a lot of pressure in terms of like, if you then don't do well,
0: how does that reflect upon you kind of things? I don't know right well you see a lot of these guys who build brands around solely their physique right like your 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 brand is not your brand is built around value information right so your your placing in a competition doesn't necessarily matter a whole lot whereas you have some of these guys who you know if they began if they started uh you know not doing well or they transitioned out of bodybuilding and their whole brand is built around how well they do as a competitor i imagine it'd be a pretty tough transition like you know these guys who just post like a physique shot with like a You know caption like going to war or something like that it's like it might be difficult to transition after that uh versus like you have a very value-driven business like you could compete you couldn't you your brand is more so like people come to you for information and your physique is just like icing on the cake where it's like yeah oh and he's also in really good shape and he also competes and whatnot and i'm a competitor you know all this added up like that makes a lot of sense for me to work with him or consume his content i guess
2: I agree, but I wonder as well, if you ended up just staying lean for a period of time, how that would do for content. Because at the end of the day, this is something that I'm learning and you've been doing social media a lot longer than I have, but you can give great information. You can have great personality. You can be really helpful. But at the end of the day, do you look better than the people that are watching you? And like, do they want to look like you? Like, you know, first principles, that that matters. Um, and I'm seeing that that now, right? Like I never really posted shirtless photos or anything like that. And I posted a few recently and it's done super well. Um I wonder, like you step on stage at 170, 175, if you just lived at let's say 185 for a period of time, how that would go. Um, because you've said like massing is super hard for you. And you know, like would you make serious gains for stage at that point? No. But from a business standpoint, I mean, I feel like it might be
1: an idea, but that's just me. Yeah, I guess uh that's where I come at this more from like a competitor mindset versus like a business mindset. <laughs> like, yeah. where I'm like, I would I care less about how the business would do versus how I would do as a competitor. Like I care too much about that journey and process to be able to do that. Well yeah.
0: definitely you keep up bodybuilding though. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's like, yeah, it's also like business or not. I think that if it's your passion and you're still passionate about it, I don't think, you know, you see it as worth it. Like, I guess for me, it would be like if I ever got to do a prep and I was just like, why am I doing this? And I just could not find a good reason. That would be like when I'd be like, ah, maybe I should do this. Longer. And that's not, I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? Like I enjoy crap. I enjoy everything I get out of it. Right. And I, I know that that will come at some point. Probably will be a while for me because I just have done so little competition, but like, I think that that would be like a telltale sign is like, okay, like, you know, is, am I still passionate about this thing? Cause again, at the end of the day, like, you know, you're, we're not making a whole lot of money, if any competing, most of us aren't yeah. making any money competing. So it's like, you really have to love it to, to find value and, 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 and to see it through, I guess. I mean, when you're like four weeks out, like there's so many times where I'm just like sitting on like a machine or like the leg press and I'm like, man, I could just like not do this just go eat some sushi have a good day like i'm lean i'm in good shape whatever like i don't have to step on stage like then i have to like find a greater reason as to why i should keep going right because your body's just like nope and your brain's like nope i imagine you guys are similar on this
1: but there's something so weirdly rewarding about pushing through those moments and i don't know if it's like i don't really think about oh most people won't push through this i only really think about that in hindsight but i just think like I don't know. There's something in me that won't let me not push through that moment. It won't let me try that little bit harder to do it. Like, I just, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't, like, I just have to do it. And then the reward, the feeling afterwards is just like,
0: yeah, I don't know. So and I'm like, when I'm like walking to my car after like a workout like that, I'm like, you did it. Like, I just like have this sense of like, you know, like very, like I am I feel very um, like satisfied, very, um, I don't know what the term I'm looking for is, but it's clean just, yeah. yeah.
1: And i
2: wonder i don't even don't, i don't even think is the word i think it's more um validated like i am i am who i thought i was i yeah. did what i said i was gonna do yeah.
0: i think oh yeah. uh, this was an on your podcast Steve. i think it was on um on uh 3dmj it was like eric holmes with mike and he did some podcast about like some posts he had made but he had said something in the podcast about um something like where his dad had told him something where he was like, um, you're capable. And that's something that like this last prep, I would just repeat to myself, like you could do this. You're capable. You can do this. You're capable. And I would just like kind of repeat it in my, my head constantly. And, and every time I would get through something like that, I would be like, you're capable. Like basically, and it kind of just kept me going where I was just reminding myself, like, no, you, you have this challenge. Like you can, you can overcome it. And I would have the clues of success every time I would accomplish a hard workout or, push through the hunger or whatever it might be, do a posing session, I guess.
1: Yeah, and it's always worse in that moment. Like, I get to the point in prep where I'm like, just take every, like, almost every step as it comes. Like, every day as it comes, don't think about the future. And time flies, and you're just like, wow, like, I just got through a month of shit. And it's like,
0: wow, wasn't that bad. Like, I'm here now. (laughs) 100%. I, I think, like, also another one I remind myself, like, it doesn't last. Like, this pain right now, you're gonna be at home eating your post workout meal and like, you know, in no time. It's gonna feel like no time. So just do this thing right here in front of you and you'll be there, basically. Yeah. So as far as your, your season, so you uh what kind of what what do you have planned out like when when are when are potential shows? How does that look for you currently? So I had kind
1: of sketched out twenty twenty four
0: just so that I had
1: I think competing lit a bit of a fire under me and i remembered i don't know i just really enjoyed it i think part of why i enjoy competing is it it kind of reconnects me to a community of people and a lot of them are online i don't have a lot of people in my local like just vicinity that do it and i just really enjoy that aspect i enjoy talking to people about it and worlds was incredible like i don't know when you go and just meet so many people that you know and you've interacted with online it was just really really fun so I kind of decided I didn't want to leave it as many years as I had previously. Like, I've always left, like, three, four years to compete. So I was like, right, like, maybe 2024. It's a decent amount of time to have made, like, some progress, hopefully. And, like, do it then. I do want to make sure that I've improved enough. And it's actually something I'm struggling with even saying it, because I'm like, it's so subjective to know if you've improved enough. And I don't even know if there's someone, I don't even know who could tell me that I've improved enough. Like I don't like I was I was essentially laying out this is gonna be my final mass, enter a 10-week cut, I'll get close to stage, lean, but maybe 180 pounds, so five to ten pounds above stage weight, and then assess like, is this a physique if I continue to diet down, one that I'd be happy to bring to stage? And I'm the only one that can really answer that question. Uh but I would love to outsource it to someone to be like, do you think it's worth me stepping on stage? Uh, I just know. I don't know if you guys can recognize that at all, but like it's like an unanswerable question. You can't just send someone a photo because it's all subjective. Like there's not like an objective answer. Yeah. Yet. yeah. So I have no clue. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I, I send true. it. There might be someone like Cliff Wilson or something who like he takes tons of people to stage and pros. And like, do you think this is a physique that is of a caliber that has potential to go pro? I just hate even thinking of that question because it's so out of your hands, but I think he's got the experience where it might be enough if he was to say, yeah, like, that's that's good. And then that would probably be enough for me. I'll also compare back to, like, previous times I've been at that body weight and just make this sure there's significant improvements. And then after that, I had planned, I'd be interested to know what your guys' thoughts on this is. So, like, hit a peak body weight, 10-week cut. I was going to do, like, a 10-week mass, a short mini cut, 10-week mass, start prep was kind of my idea so essentially this is going to be my peak weight now and then everything i do hereafter is kind of like slowly taking me towards stage before i'm like relatively lean but recovered from any sort of dieting hopefully that's kind of the protocol i was going
0: for that's like my exact periodization right now
2: why why is the initial mass only 10
1: weeks before a mini cut why isn't it longer uh just so that i don't get too heavy basically like i want to start prep lean enough where I don't have to have a 30-week prep. It can be maybe 20 weeks, but I start out much, much closer to my stage condition. So I'm essentially, normally you do mini cuts, you'd linearly long-term go up in body weight, but this is yeah. kind of the opposite where I'm coming down.
2: So you're going 10-week mass, mini cut, 10-week mass? Yes. I'm I'm just confused, and speak to it, please. That first one, if you're already having the mini cut built in, why wouldn't you have just done three mesos of the first mass? Because the mini cut's already going to clean up the the garbage anyway. Um, it's like if ten weeks is not that long, and you're not going to tell me you're having trouble eating food for fifteen weeks versus ten. You know, like I don't know. Um, I would just be wondering about that. And then at that point, if anything, just like add another week to the mini cut that I feel like. That trade-off of having that other meso cycle of massing would be worth it, but that's just me.
1: It would be. Are we going to wait for Trevor, or we can continue? I don't know. I think we can go, but <laughs> uh, it would be if I didn't have like a a time I needed to start prep, okay. because basically I would get a little bit more fat for those three weeks, but then afterwards I'd do the mini cut. Then I'd only have a week, uh, sorry, a, a mezzo worth of massing, and then. I'd have to start prep. So I kind of was like, right, put it in the middle, so I have two and two. And I'm also not sure if I'd be completely recovered. Like, I, you're completely right. In most circumstances, I wouldn't be in a position where I'd need a mini cut after two mesocycles worth of massing. It's just happening there. So I have time to have another two afterwards to recover from that one and put me in the best position to start prep. My my, my main concern is that I will start prep lean, but st- a slightly diet fatigued. That's gonna, but it's like lean and- leaner and a little bit diet fatigued or fatter and not diet fatigued it's kind of like choose your poison like they're both situations
0: (laughs) yeah i get that because one would be good
2: one other question what if you didn't do the mini cut and you just did three mesos of massing did a maintenance and started dieting
1: yeah that's definitely an option i'm i'm considering massing slower and then starting prep like a couple of weeks earlier so because that I, I then I, couldn't circumvent yeah. that mini cut completely. Because
2: for you, at the end of a mass, like most people, you're like, uh, blah, I hate food, blah, blah. And you already know that's, like, the greatest way to start dieting, right? But if you keep it conservative, I feel like you run the risk of getting into a state of diet fatigue earlier on. I don't know, but maybe.
0: Well, yeah, what, uh, one of the things that drives on the diet fatigue is obviously time dieting, but also like if he's adding body fat throughout this time period, like very small, like very conservatively compared to his regular mass. You know, as long as that mini cut isn't too close to like like he said with the ten week break, you know, he might not be carrying very much if at all. Right in my in my mind, I would think like, well, if he's I doubt he'd be carrying adding me. tissue, yeah, adding body fat. Really, body body composition is one of the main things that drives. Um, some of the metabolic adaptation, So I would imagine that like, I don't know if, if, if the, the, sufficient time, but I, and I, and I don't think, uh, so the periodization that you uh, uh, suggested, Shimmy is kind of what I'm doing, but it's also constrained by prep. That's one of the reasons why I'm not masking for super long. I'm going to do like an eight to 10 week mass, but the same exact thing as Steve, where I'd like to start prep leaner. I think that's a really smart idea. Yeah. i kind got of to mass through the holidays. So right now, peak mass, peak body weight, cut, conservative mass through the holidays um some sort of like active rest and then finish out the cut
2: in See, what i'm saying is just simpler what i'm saying is just there's just less pulsatility going on like i got a mask then i got a mini cut then i got a mass again Like i got a, then I, like just do the mass do it a little bit slower you're not someone that gets over fat anyway do a nice maintenance chill go somewhere with charlie on, on vacation and then diet like it's so simple
0: but yeah i mean i guess that's to, to presuppose that uh that what steve does is particularly difficult and i imagine at his like level of skill set just doing something like that is isn't particularly difficult to transition to i don't know i'm speaking for you steve but maybe you can yeah
1: i think i'll call it like in the at the time whenever i kind of set set out plans i'm always like right i'm going to gain like one to two percent of body weight per month and i aim for the higher end i always fall towards the lower end and I typically plan for the higher end, so it always means I have to cut less than I had planned. So I think that might happen.
0: You can lay out whatever plans you want, but who knows what what that's going to yeah. be? Yeah. I'm the opposite. Where I'll just like start gaining weight, and obviously there's <laughs> pharmacology involved, and I just like don't know what's going on. So I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, dude,
1: right? It gets wild. Yeah, I don't know how you guys manage that. I've had, I've tried to coach a few people using body weight, like who are on levels of gear, and I'm just like like weekly photos like it's so you just have to kind of trust the numbers it's yes
0: yes. well well tricky like i it's honestly it's relatively straightforward for me i just like program a rate of gain based on you know what i believe their maintenance to be and sometimes through the noise i'll hold them there but also we'll be like using their photos and also like if there was an adjustment to pharmacology that's generally when i would just like not touch anything i try not to make adjustments in food and pharmacology at the same time Try to keep them yeah. separate as, as much as much possible. then, changing at once. Yeah, you just want to reduce the noise. And there's some other medications that you can use that can reduce water weight noise, like Telmisartan's one that a lot more bodybuilders are using now. That manages the actual growth hormone, estrogen. All these things stimulate water retention. So if you have something that's keeping that at bay, then you can have less noise. So again, it is. It I I always like try to downplay it. Like, oh, it's not that complicated. Obviously, like. I guess with my experience, I, tr- I say that it's not that complicated, but I, I probably took me a while to get here. So that being said, yeah, it is definitely more difficult than just... Yeah, it's more difficult than just having a number. You could at. trust the numbers a lot better in, in, in yeah. natural bodybuilding for sure. But even when you're natural, and Steve, you have a
2: big sample size because you coach more people than all of us. Even when you're natural, especially when you get leaner, We love giving the, you know, quarter of a percent to half a percent body weight gain or loss, depending on what phase of nutrition you're in, up or down. But especially when you're lean, have you found that it doesn't really shake out like that? At least that was my experience. Like, it'd be nice to say like, oh, I gained a pound a week. or I lost a pound a week. In reality, it was like, I wouldn't lose and then just would lose two pounds randomly Then, you know, would it lose again, then would lose a pound and a half. And this would also go the same way with massing. And then you sort of just like have to, um, like course correct as needed on, on a daily or weekly basis. Have you found that too or no?
1: Yeah, I would say it's very rare and it's always nice when it happens when people perfectly fit these paradigms, Yeah, but it's, it's very very rare. And I think that's what really, um kind of confuses a lot of people because there's loads of things like what you mentioned there where if you look at a textbook and it says that you should lose I don't know one percent of body weight per week and then they the person doesn't then they get really lost and confused whereas if they have a coach who understands they've worked with people it's like okay leave it again like this week maybe it was 0.5 next week it's probably going to be 1.5 whatever it averages itself out and that's what you're actually looking for but i don't know how often that context is given or how often people take that away so even, actually, yeah, sometimes I think I probably even do a disservice where I'll say to, like, as an average recommendation to people, like, lose between, like, 1% a week on a mini cut. Well, it's like, so. like, the first week you're going to be losing way faster, then may slow down, but, like, you just yeah. have to follow the numbers. Uh, well, this is why people pay for us as a coach, I guess, so they it's can us to to help navigate it. <laughs> yeah.
3: really give that kind of context when you have a 90-second a Instagram reel. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, it's like, you we give that context, nobody's going to watch it. 30 minutes. And we don't have time to do that for every every single person that ever asks us a question in line.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think but you're right, Shimmy. Yeah, uh, the uh, benefit of having a coach is having that's one of the main things I think people sometimes forget about is like being able to to give that kind of context. Like if you're using, say, like um, you know you're doing the numbers yourself and you're not as experienced or using an app or something like that while that does work for some people, I think some people do need the kind of reassurance. Like, I don't know about uh, you guys, but I sometimes get some clients who are quite neurotic too. And a lot of what I'm doing is just kind of like saying like, no, it's okay. Like this is, this is normal. You know what I mean? Just kind of Dude, that's
2: all coaching is, right? See, putting yeah. out fires. That's the whole right. thing. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And just kind of reeling them in a little bit. Like, no, this is totally normal. Like, don't, it, there's, there should be, there's no case in which you should really be worrying. Like, that's why you hired me. I'll take care of it numbers are fine i'm telling you the numbers are fine you're good you know but to have that's that's really a big yeah i guess a big part of coaching is just kind of reassuring people like things are going the way as planned
2: if you could summarize your coaching in three words what would it be you are okay <laughs> you question. are okay
0: that's a really good coaching mantra actually i like that you can take um, it man just tag me and so so steve uh you are so you, you mentioned you're your, your, you trying to your your attempt is to go pro in natural bodybuilding is that where you're at as far as competition level i never had that
1: at all as like a a goal or a a driving force behind me but since last season and doing reasonably well it's like i have some belief i want to have that belief that i can go there and like i'm just going to do my best to be able to get there um, yeah. yeah. so i'm not i'm not like that person that's gonna be like yeah i'm gonna go pro and like I don't know, believe it <laughs> all that sort of stuff but i i like to think uh i guess less so going pro it's more so having the physique of a pro like i think that's more important to me right. uh they kind of think of them two in the same but i think you could go pro and not have a pro caliber physique but you can have a pro caliber
0: physique and not go pro If <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> you would hit every single show and then when nobody's left you yeah. could... Maybe. eventually you're gonna find one where you, you know, <laughs> yeah exactly um no i mean i i think the this is something that i um do think is an essential part is i do think you have to have some belief like you have to have some capacity Like people are like it doesn't matter what you think like i think it does to some degree like you have to think you have the capacity otherwise you wouldn't show up there and, and go for it right our declusive put in the level of effort required if you don't believe it Yeah, sometimes I tell myself stuff that I'm like, yeah, I know of maybe not be like straight, like, like 100% like objectively true. I mean, I guess it is all kind of subjective at the end of the day, but like, just for the fact that I'm like, you know, it kind of gives me something to, um, to, to, uh, push for, I guess. I don't know. That's just kind of like, I guess it's not, you know, just mental trickery, I guess. But, you know, again, I think you have to, like, I, I actually, it's funny you you said that, Steve, because I have the same conversation with Joe Jeffrey recently. I was like, this is where I'm at. Like, what do you think my chances are? And he's like, we just we just don't know. You know what I mean? It's just like who's who shows up on that day. Like you, yeah. you're there. Like you have the capacity to do so potentially, but it's just who shows up. It's like I had, he's yeah. like I had a guy last year who I think ended up doing like nine shows, and I I would have qualified him as ready to go pro, but he just always someone else better showed up. So it's like you never know. Yeah, yeah
1: it's I just I think most of my lifting career and doing bodybuilding and all of like being in fitness it's i just derive value from doing my best i know that sounds like really like corny and cringe but like that's all i care about i uh, like the outcomes are far less important to me as long as i know like in myself i did everything that i could have done for this otherwise like if i was to go pro and know that i left things on the table would be like i don't know like it's probably not as rewarding whereas when you've had to abort your it's like winning i don't know Uh, the lottery and you get a load of money like it's not the same as working your ass off and getting that paycheck at the end of the day (laughs) funny a funny funny story i had an experience similar to this at a jiu-jitsu
3: tournament where nobody in my bracket ended up showing up (laughs) and so they called my name up to get a gold medal and i refused (laughs) good on you i was like i didn't do anything my wife ended up taking it. she's like you showed up i'm like oh i don't want it they're
0: on the box i don't care about it instagram post about hard work and and uh you know it pays off and all that stuff right Good job, Trevor.
1: you'll see that with bodybuilding shows all the time like if like two people turn up or one person's there and they'll be like i won my show and that they, they won't say anything about it they're just have the photo of them with the trophy and you're like uh, where did you place in the overall <laughs> like maybe that's a little bit more informative
0: of how you did yeah yeah, yeah it's it's sad I mean, when people the, are just chasing trophies how does it work in um natural bodybuilding like i know it depends on the show but like do you, is it, does it like you win your class, get a pro card or do you have to win the overall? Cause I think I had heard something like you have to win the overall at some of these shows.
1: I think it depends, uh, potentially, I think in the like U S you have some WMBF shows that are pro qualifiers, um, which we also have, uh, here in the UK, but I don't know if they work slightly differently, but anyway, I'll just say how they work here in the UK. So yeah. with the main federations, you have to qualify, uh, qualifier. So place, normally it's top three. And then you go to nationals, uh, the UK finals. Sometimes it's an international final. Then you can win your class there. And so you can win like the middleweights, like the best middleweight in the UK. But then you go into the overall, and you have to win the overall against the middleweight, the heavyweight, the lightweight, or yeah. the height classes. And you have to win that. And then maybe you'll get given a pro card if they think you're good enough.
0: Uh, so that's one way. Oh, really? Actually, no, that's, but... that's the main way that it goes. Jesus. If you're good enough, so how does that work? Are they just like would they not give you a pro card if you want their overall it's
1: yeah subjective uh wow. i think they can withhold that that's the UK yeah. i think they can do that whereas the wmbf which is most of what's out in the states i think uh, a lot of the shows there yeah. if you win your category it's up to like the head judge whether or not they think you're pro caliber and they can give you a pro card so there's quite a few pro cards handed out at the wmbf uk last time where i judged yeah oh wow that's awesome
0: what well, so wait so on the wmbf it's not as placing oriented or it still is i'm sorry i missed that no it's still you have to casting, your cast show then the judge can also make the call yeah 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 i mean i feel like uh it's it's similar as far as the the qualifier and then go to nationals here but the nationals it really depends on the show here in the mpc in the ifeb right it's uh some some of these shows it's top two in their class in their class we get pro cards and then some shows it's first in their class i don't know there's there probably are some where it's overall but i don't know if there's a lot like I, I think most people who win their class get a pro card in um national qualifier shows yeah
1: i i like i like and i don't like i guess no i do like i like that the judges have the say to whether or not someone can go pro or not because yeah you could like you said like no one could turn up and you win the like your class and the overall you know like that's unlikely to happen especially at like a yeah a final Nationals, less likely yeah yeah but still like there might be someone that wins it and you're like actually despite winning
0: you're you're not quite at the level that we think is pro caliber for our federation no that's that's that gives it a little bit more like uh prestige right it's like a little bit more like hey we have these standards that we abide by like you know for example let's say like a competitor just doesn't present themselves professionally like you said like their posing is off and maybe a few things are off about like you know uh the physique like some very big weak points something like I, I honestly would be like grateful if a judge was like, no, like you're not there yet. Cause like, I was thinking about it. It's like, what if, what if you just were able to just like wake up and be a professional, right. Or, or in coaching, like what if you were able to wake up from one client to a full client load? Like, would you be able to handle everything that comes along with that? Or is it the actual process of going and getting there that allows you to be able to then be able to handle 50, hundred clients or be able to compete as a professional? That's kind of how I, I thought about it. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, like, what if I just had it? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but like, there's a lot of things that come along with having it that you learn along the way to getting it, I guess. Same with the Dylan you
2: know, about the lottery. Dylan, can I interject there real quick? Another <laughs> plug for the improvement season, Steve. This is how you know that I actually really intently watch your stuff. <laughs> Even Pascal had another conversation very similar to what you just said, Dylan. Pascal said this, and he said this all, along the lines of, a, of growing a following. Um, where it was like, if you could wake up tomorrow and have a million followers, you wouldn't know how to handle it. It would be way too much for you. You know, like you'd probably be better off to grow slowly or to grow at a more manageable rate so you can learn and you can feel what that's like and see if you're ready for it. If you just went from zero to a hundred thousand followers with all of them being really, really engaged, you would be overwhelmed. You wouldn't know how to do it. And um, I could tell you that 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 podcast that you guys had, like that, made me think about specifically that, especially now that I'm, you know, doing social media and doing all that stuff, because um, like everybody's, yeah, I want to have so many followers, and it's like, yeah, but you you're not ready for it. You wouldn't know how to be.
0: Yeah. Do you ever get the it's like uh, people? Before... Oh, good. Sorry.
1: I was just gonna say it's like people that come out of like Love Island. And they just get, like, a, mil- a million followers. It's like, I had a few thousand, and now I've got a million. And then they
0: are complete- They have to have training and stuff to, like, come out and know how to, like, manage that stuff. Uh, biggest Loser, another good one, right? Oh, it like, right. lose a ton of fat really fast, but it's, like, no sustainable habits are built at all, so they just rebound their weight.
2: But I will say this, you know, on the opposite side of that, and this has to be considered, you know, slow and steady is nice, but at the end of the day, like, there's also probably some element of There's going to be big run ups and like you need to be a big boy or a big girl and like learn how to handle it. You know what I mean? Like it's not like somebody's broke and then they made ten thousand dollars and then they made 30 and then they made 50. Like there's plenty of people that went from not making a lot of money to, you know, working their ass off, building a sick business. And with five years, have a net worth in the eight figures. You know what I mean? Like they did figure it out. And there obviously are social media people that went from no followings to 500K. In a year or two, and they're okay, right? So, um, there's the opposite of that, too. Yeah, I, hear I guess it's just, that. yeah, I don't know. It'll
3: be devil's advocate shimmy.
2: I i don't know because it also depends on the engagement, right? Like, specifically on social media. And Steve and I have talked about this before, and Trevor, you and I have as well. We're like, you'll see someone that's got 100k or 500k or a million or whatever. But it's like they follow them because they're good looking or they follow them for just because maybe they got a co-sign from a famous person. And there's yeah. no real engagement there. So it's not like the effort is is uh, is uh really that large. But even for someone like Trevor, Trevor has almost 3,000 followers, but like his Q&A is on fire every day. Yeah. Like Trevor, could you imagine if you 10x your following and 10x that engagement? Like you wouldn't have a life.
0: <laughs> Less of one than I have now. Right. <laughs> well it's funny you say that i follow steve specifically for his biceps
2: <laughs>
3: he does have great biceps
0: does. So did, it's, it's like a
3: most funny stuff, thing by the way
2: it's yeah. a funny thing because steve has been on social media for a really long time but this thing about his biceps have only come in vogue in the last few years people never used to talk about him it's not like his biceps have like transformed in the last two or three years like they were always a strong point but for some reason maybe because mike made a mention of it and then everyone jumped yeah. on the bandwagon all of a sudden, now it's like, oh my God, Steve's biceps. Like in 2018, we weren't saying Steve's biceps.
0: You know what I mean? Well, Steve he was figure. Why? Steve has become an influencer. He's, yeah. hey, you're nearing, <laughs> I mean, you're in the 75K. Is that what I saw? Like somewhere around there? 69. By the way, Steve, I'm really upset Nine? that you didn't do a funny post about that. You have
1: 60. Oh, I almost followers. did. <laughs> i will probably drop that I, down. I would, have, I would have. Or she would have. <laughs> I'm very close to being back at 69, so don't worry. If I lose like three followers, it'll be back there. 69, please give away. Follow him.
2: It's not on brand at all with like the way <laughs> you do things, but I really hope you do something. I'll be very happy.
0: <laughs> hey, uh, Stephen. I know you, we've had you for a, on for a long time. How much uh, time? Yeah. Do you need uh, I'm I'm alright until you guys are basically Fridays or you got. Free, you're at 90 minutes. You'll be at 90 minutes in like 15.
2: Oh my God, Steve! I have I have the idea for you. By the way, you're so not gonna do this, but I have the idea for you. You're so not film Charlie and be like, "Hey, Charlie, I got sixty nine thousand followers." So, like,
1: what do you think? She used to be like, the shut the real. fuck up." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be so and great. The That'd real, be
2: so great. But, but that's so good.
3: Oh, that would be, would great. be funny. on.
2: Yeah, I know you're not gonna do it, but you should do
1: it. <laughs> you are gonna do it now just because of that. Just, yeah. I hope just so. fill, film I'll like, film it and send it to you. Yeah, I was gonna say at least film it and send it to us. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. So well, social so... media is tough, man. I was just gonna you say like leave. you crank part of, me, though, man. part of me is like like I appreciate thinking about it like Shimmy does and how can we make best use of it? How can I grow? How many likes am I getting? But part of me hates the I don't I like social media like that's the reason I post every day and I'm on there but I hate thinking about it that way like thinking about it analytically and how to grow like I just and I don't like looking at like how's my engagement and I know I should as a business person but it's kind of similar to bodybuilding like I'm not looking at my bodybuilding and how's it helping the business social media I do more so look at that but I hate thinking about like how I'm trying to like respect the algorithm on Instagram and feed the machine which ultimately is doing some unfavorable things and favorable, of course. And I'm trying to use it to my advantage, of course. So I don't have to be, don't want to be ignorant. And maybe some of this is a cope, but man, part of me hates that aspect of it.
2: I, agree. I want to speak, I want to speak to that for a second because I think you touched on something that's actually really profound. And it's something that I wrestle with a lot and it's more big picture, but it comes from bodybuilding. Bodybuilders innately are very good at just plugging away and doing the day to day. In my experience, physique people are very bad. At sort of taking their head out of the water and being like, where's this going? Where's this really going? Like you're very good at the day-to-day and plugging away, but it's it, there's definitely a fine line between like shutting up and doing like the grunt work on a daily basis, but then also being like, yeah, but bigger picture. Like, how am I feeling? Where is this going? What benefit is it bringing? Like, and I think that's very important with social, but it can be with anything job whatever where it's like it's cool to post every day and engage and do that but you also have to remember the mission like what is this for right like is it benefiting me and uh, all the things that i'm doing on a daily basis like track weekly monthly multi-monthly like is this going where i want it to go or do i need to course correct um and this is something that i struggle with a lot um actually by the way in many areas of life where it's just like you shut up and just do the work but then you're like, all right. But then you look up, and it's like three months went by, six months went by, a year went by, and you're like, am I in a better place? Am I in a much different place? You know.
1: I I totally relate to that. This relates to so many aspects in life as well. I'm just thinking about like house renovations right now. It's like, <laughs> let's what's the project? What's next? Like think about long term. Right. But absolutely, especially like with my training, that's exactly how I approach it. Like the day to day, like I have to have that focus on the process here and now, because if I smell the roses, like there's a balance. If you are constantly assessing what you're doing, then it takes away from you just doing what you need to do. And I think most people do that with social media, where they're not very good at just showing up consistently, posting and putting out content. Most people fail at that, which I think is the first hurdle. But once you've met that, which like we have is that next level. Okay, so how's that working for you? And that's, I think that's often where like a coach comes in for people with their physique goals. Like you look at the long-term plan, you ask them questions that they might not ask themselves. You take that kind of perspective. And I guess that's where you could have like a Instagram, social media business coach who does those things for you as well, which I've never invested in. Uh, yeah. But I can see why people would.
0: I, I see, I've, I've had... Oh, go to me.
2: No, 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 because I was going to transition to something else. So you go, and then I'll go after you.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean like, I don't have a large following by any means, but, uh, as far as like the content and stuff, I've had people like make suggestions on what I should make content on. And I have videos that are just like ideas that I have, or, um, just like something that just popped in my head that I get questions about. And a lot of the time, those will be the ones that do really well, like where I'm not necessarily thinking about what's trending or like the structure per se, but it's just like, Hey, this is what's on my mind. And I I don't know how this works for you, Steve, but like It'll be kind of like, yeah, this is on my mind lately. I've had a few questions about it. I'm just going to make a piece of content on it because I think it would be very valuable to probably my clients. And then also it's just something that I see asked a lot. So probably other people as well. And a lot of time I'll have those are the things that pop off as opposed to something where I was like, this is what's trending right now. So I'm going to make a video on it, I guess. And and I guess that it works different on different platforms. I know like YouTube um, and, and maybe on Instagram as well, like the trending topics are definitely what bring people in. I don't know how it works for you where what like what is your content creation process you just have a list of ideas that are coming through your head and then you just post about them you think I'd have
1: a better creation process than I do same for the podcast okay. as well um but I I just wanted to touch on your point in terms of like people asking you questions something that's been on your mind I think one of the reasons that could pop off a bit more is because we're, like we're in this evidence-based kind of fitness industry and a lot of the posts are very similar and I find myself like re- just hating my own posts or potentially other people's i'm subconsciously doing and so it doesn't differentiate you it just looks the same to everyone whereas when you do an opinion piece or like a unique question that someone's asked you that's different to what people mostly see then that differentiates you from everyone else so that's something i'm trying to get better at is to be less like the same and try and differentiate my content a little bit more which i find tough also because I don't really like opinion pieces a ton as someone who is like trying to be evidence-based. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but those are you, people like that. And it differentiates you from a textbook, for example. Uh, but yeah, my creation process is, uh, I don't have like a, I do a reel this day. like a, I try and every week I try and put out a client testimonial or a transformation because I never used to do that. And I think it's just good for keeping people aware that I'm a, a coach. And I have so many that I can put out, like, it's, like, nonsense that I wouldn't do that. Uh, then I try and put out, like, a, a value piece. Most of the time, most of them are that. And then maybe I try and do better at this, because they do do to do, seem to do better. Is like, something about me, something different. Just, like, a, a comment and opinion piece. So, I don't know, asking Charlotte, like, hey, I've got 69,000 followers. Like, now? Something like that. Like, sometimes those ones are important to, like, get more engagement, uh, people to understand you a bit more. Um, and maybe like an infographic a week,
0: but yeah, I don't have like a really regimented like process there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the same mindset as like, like you, you said, you have a few pieces that you want to get out per week. I I personally would just drive myself insane if I was like, I need to post this on this day and this on this day. And it needs to help this. I used to try to do that. It's, it's difficult, man. And once you fall off that, you're like, okay, like I'm very behind on this and like, how do you catch up and whatever. So I feel that, I feel that for sure. When you try and have like this grid,
1: like if people come to your profile and you have like this special, like it looks in a specific oh. way. I used to do that. Oh, God. So oh, difficult. Fuck oh. that shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you
2: yeah. Steve, I was going to say to what I was saying before, it's a, a small segue back to what we were talking about in regards to, you know, smelling the roses, in regards to training. um I think bodybuilders are really good, you know, at, at just like you said, at, at plugging away, doing the same training every single day. I've actually gone out of my way to smell the roses a lot more in my own training from an exercise selection and variation standpoint, whereas movements that I would have kept in probably longer in the past. Now, if something doesn't feel good for like a week or two in a row, like it's gone. Now, maybe because I'm advanced and I have a really good mind-muscle connection and really good body awareness at this point that like I know um, when something is no longer worth my time, but I I have um, exercise variation a bit more frequently than I used to. I'm not switching something out every month. No. But I would. And before, I might have felt bad about that. Like, now it's probably, yeah, you know, every two, three months. So, it's not like anything drastic. But I don't force movements in anymore. And I'm always on the lookout for something better.
1: um, All the time. I... I'm more with you on that as well. Like, where I used to think, like, you had to keep it in. Like, there was something special about keeping a movement in long-term. It's like, not really. Like, yeah. I I was... I Actually, I was at one end of the extreme years ago where I, every mezzo would be changing almost everything. <laughs> sure, we've all done that. Yeah. 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 And then I think I went to the other end of the extreme where I'd feel bad if I rotated something out after, like, four months. Like, it needed right. to be in, like, at least six months. months yeah. Whereas, like, isolation-based movements rotate those way more readily like meso to meso within the meso cycle, fine and then yeah compounds if it's not working for me like i'm happy rotating that relatively quickly i think the um you saying being advanced i think that is important because i just think people who are less advanced aren't aware of what's really like a good movement for them and they just need to plug away a bit more and be a bit more robotic
2: i'll tell you something else man and this is like whatever to share um because i don't want people to take this the wrong way At the end of the day, these accumulations, these mesocycles, these numbers, they're all arbitrary. So I say that to say, dude, I might be in week three out of five. And if a movement actually doesn't feel good, I'm switching it then. Like, I'm not waiting until the next mesocycle. What? So I have to, like, deal with this bullshit for another two weeks, then deload because it doesn't, like, fit in perfectly with adding in a novel stimulus? Like, dude, I created these weeks. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't I change it if something doesn't feel right? Um, and that's something I never would have done. Like, switching an exercise out mid-mesocycle, I don't do it often, but I do not feel bad to do it. And I do do it every so often. I never would have done that. Past.
1: I'm almost, I would do that, but it would always, in my head, have to come from, like, a need, not a want. But I'm more yeah, sure. convinced that, if I really just want to, like, if just a movement's sucking, I, I'm not totally convinced that it's a bad idea to allow myself to rotate it at that point. Uh, yeah. As long, as long as I'm not just bullshitting myself. Right. It's time med like. And I think it goes back again, what
3: you said when you're advanced. Like, you know, if two weeks, two, three weeks in, a movement's just like, I just don't get anything from this. You. It's not like you're, you know, two years in a training and you don't even know what you're supposed to feel like at that point you know you have right. a good you have good technique if something or after a couple of weeks it doesn't feel like anything it, it you you have to ask the question why are you know and you're
0: in your, your guys's process too you pick probably like what a similar variation um in that case yeah yeah Something that's going to train the muscle in a similar way you know? right right well, and there's something that I'm saying that because there's been a lot of times where I've done that where it's just like this machine that I'm using is just not working. And, yeah. like, my gym my gym owner is always getting new pieces, so I'm like, right, I'm going to try this one over here, and then a lot of the time it works out better. Yeah.
2: Okay, so first you flex that you have clients in Hong Kong. Now you want to tell us that you're getting new gym pieces approved. Where does it end with you? Oh, it's the truth. I don't know what you for the... me. These, you guys do that he gets new gym pieces every week, so I get new, like...
0: Hey, All I'm right. saying that from a perspective of I'm grateful that my gym owner is so invested in improving my gym. I will shout him out till the end of the, the end of days. Yeah, awesome. he, he's He's yeah. buying the. Here i flex more. He's buying the units in the complex that he wor- that he has. He keeps buying out the units and then expanding the gym. This is the <laughs> he's, this is the fourth expansion he's done.
2: That's awesome. He's awesome. That's awesome. Eventually he's
0: just going to own the whole block, and then we're going to have a gym awesome
2: well homies look i got a roll. i don't know about yeah, you guys but i got a jet yeah um fantastic time as always
0: Yeah, there's a lot of fun definitely steve thanks for coming on man i'd love to do this again. no for sure i don't think I'm we got through half the questions so
2: <laughs> really.
0: that's typical yeah sweet well uh steve
1: plugs please so, yeah, again, honored to be on here. I love listening. I love interacting with you guys, watching you guys on social. So chatting feels just normal, fun. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, if they want to kind of find me, ReviveStronger.com, that has the, the podcast, has our coaching, all social media stuff's over there. I'm mostly on ReviveStronger on Instagram. So they'd be the the best two places. And, again, thanks.
0: Yeah, of course. Of course. I'm going to go listen to some of those Improvement Season episodes. Yeah, you, should. you should. They're great. Yeah, like I, got, I always love them. So. I guess. the improvement season podcast is uh honestly one of my favorites so yeah yeah no i honestly i need to listen to it more though you say that because every time i've listened to it i I really do enjoy it all right peace out guys thanks again
2: you later take care